Another day in paradise. Welcome into uh, the program. This is for the win. I'm Eric Winalda. I am in Las Vegas, Nevada. If you could tell by my voice already, man, I'm stretched. I have had just had a crazy four or five days. And I, I got to get into it. The things we do for the game, the things we do for our family. But I will, I will explain why I'm a mess today, and we'll catch you up on everything in the world of soccer, wherever you have found us. Don't care, Spotify or uh, whether that be Apple Podcast. Uh, glad you uh, made me a part of your day. This won't take long. I certainly don't have the energy for it today. <laughs> I will try to give you blood, but I'll tell you, it has been something. Listen to this, okay? This, let me just get this out of the way. I'm actually talking to my producers in, the, uh, in, in, the, in their little box over there. They don't even understand what I've been through. So every year we have a family vacation. We go to, we go to Hawaii. The whole family. So it's, it's really cool because if, if you follow me on Twitter, you probably saw some of the pictures that I, I shot out of, um, of the family and doing the whole vacation thing. So I mean, my kids stretch all the way from uh, 22 to 5. So we, we, had, we had it all. Uh, the luau's, the, the, the beach, the uh, get sand and everything, uh, the, the frustrating moments and, and the beautiful moments that you have on vacation. It's always the same, though. You always think that you're going to go and relax and everything's going to be great. And then you're going to come back to work and, and refreshed and ready to go. It doesn't work that way, does it? It just never does. It just never, ever works out the way it's supposed to. Or at least what your expectations are going in. Uh, so anyway, on Thursday of last week, I got on uh, an airplane with the family. Uh, unfortunately, um, well, let me get this straight. That's not even true. Hold on. Let me start over. Thursday, I drove all the way back out to California. And Friday, uh, we had some family stuff to do. Saturday was my brother's memorial, which was great. He got to say goodbye, and his, and his buddies all spoke, which, which was really wonderful for the family and, and whatnot. My sister did a great job at the memorial as well. She was um, amazing. She can sing, and she sang Amazing Grace, and I don't think I'll ever forget that. But I had to get on the plane the next day for su- on a Sunday. Had to get with, you know, you know how that is, right? So you got little ones, right? So the, the flight's at 8, which means you got to get up at some ungodly hour. You get there. Everything went great. We got there Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. Just fun. Every, everything was fantastic. Unfortunately, because of a commitment that I had made to the club here that I work for uh, downtown, which is I, I currently coach a, a couple of teams, 05s and 04. So these are 15, 16, 17-year-old boys. And we got to go to Phoenix. So I have to somehow get to Phoenix by Friday at 1 o'clock, which is my first game. And I leave Hawaii Thursday at 8 a.m. Now, the time difference makes things a little bit unique. And I actually, as I was eventually driving to Phoenix, I, re- I was reminded when my clocks just changed that I, had one, I was one hour behind. <laughs> or one, they were one hour ahead, so that was tough. So I fly all the way back. I land in Los Angeles, 3.30. Worst time to land in Los Angeles, regardless. I get my bags, and I make this decision to drive all the way to Las Vegas. I got to go to Phoenix, but I got my car out of parking. The, we valet park it at those, that, that spot thing. And I drive my car all the way to Las Vegas. And unfortunately, a couple of things happened, and it took me six and a half hours. That is a violation. So I get in around 11 o'clock at night. I had a little bit of laundry to do, which is no big deal. But I had to get to Phoenix by 1 o'clock, which is really 
noon because that's when they, they, the boys start warming up. So I get up at six. So I, I get four or five hours sleep, and I get up and I drive six and a half hours to Phoenix. And we get to Phoenix, and I coach the two games, which is great. And I and I got to and I got to go to bed, which was good. The next day, I had to coach those two teams twice. So I had a, a, um, a ten o'clock and a twelve o'clock, and then a six o'clock and eight o'clock. The games were were okay. They, they the, the boys did really well. And then on the and then yesterday morning, which is, that being Sunday and today being Monday, I had to get up at. We had an eight o'clock game. Now, this is where I started to get angry at these the organizers of these uh, events. Uh, it's the Desert Conference, which is out in Phoenix, which is a part of the uh, USYSA national stuff. If you're familiar with all that, it's not MLS Next. It's not ECNL. It's a, uh, it's not a level down, but it's certainly uh, it's a it's a high level of of soccer. But to ask eighteen year old boys to play three games in two days, and then get up after finishing their game around ten o'clock at night, go to sleep, and get up at six and play at eight o'clock in the morning after already playing three competitive games. Now I'm a, I'm a mess, and I'm not even playing right. I got to manage their bodies. You know, we got we got guys cramping. We got you know one guy pulled his hamstring. As soon as the game is over, now I have to pick up my family at the airport because they're on their way back. So I'm in Phoenix at noon. Time difference good because it helped me on this occasion. And they're arriving at 8. So I drove all the way back to Corona because I, I had already checked out of my hotel and took a shower and then picked up my family, right, which was great. So it was a great moment when your kids come running around the corner and they give you the hug and all that stuff. I, I get all the bags and I put them in the car and I look at my wife and I said, listen, why don't we just go back to the house at Corona and just sleep? And she goes, no, no, we're going to Vegas now. And the, I mean... The look, you can imagine what I was thinking at that moment. I was like, all right, well, are you driving or am I driving? She goes, you're driving. This is my nightmare. And I said, um, no, you're driving. So then, of course, you know, I wasn't prepared for that. I had a half tank of gas, which means we have to stop and all that business. And we end up getting home at 2.30 in the morning last night. Not great, Bob. And my kids have school, which um, they're playing hooky. I don't, people, I don't even know if people still say that. But they, uh, they are not uh, at school. And I am a complete, I'm shattered right now. I haven't been this tired. I feel like I just flew to France and back in one day. The good news is, is my team went, uh, uh, the 04s, which, which are currently the President's Cup or National Champions. I took over that team in May. And um, we haven't lost a game yet. We're, I think we're 14-0. Scored a total of 67 goals now. Our results this weekend were 7 nothing. The first game, three nothing, and then as we started to get tired, the games got harder. And we two to one and one nothing, but three shutouts. Very proud of those boys. If you look them up on God Soccer, it's downtown. Gold 04s. We are currently ranked number one in the country. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. And those are Vegas boys, all of them. I'm very proud to be a part of it. But man, they must be tired today. I gave them a couple days off because I, I couldn't even administer practice right now. I, you, know, you can only hear my voice right now, but do I sound tired? I must sound exhausted I because I am shattered. I am shattered. I walked in here. I asked my uh, my producer, Cole, for two aspirin and a coffee, please. That's the only way that would get me through this. All right, well, let me catch up on what's going on in the world of football. As you know, Manchester United has said goodbye to Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. And, and look, and I said this before on a previous broadcast, we shouldn't be really surprised at the struggles 
that Gunner had at Manchester United. Sure, he was he was a great um, representation of the uh, of the club. Uh, I mean, Gary Neville even saying he brought some heart back to this uh, organization, which is which is there's some truth to that. And then there was the rumors that uh, he was just challenged. He was not tactically astute enough. When you start hearing stuff like that, you know you're in trouble, right? Yes, you got guys, you got world champions, you got guys like Pogba, who, who probably aren't behaving, uh, and and they're they're having opinions about your, your ability to manage. But he was a man's manager, uh, and then he loses to Watford, right? Now everyone's gonna say because most of the people out there they look at that result and they go, "Come on, Watford, are you serious?" By the way, Ranieri's back, okay? Ranieri is a genius. We all know what he did with Leicester City. He turned them into a, a complete machine. He's doing it again. So it's actually difficult. It's, it's a hard one for Gunner because this, that, that's a game that you say to yourself, it's a lot more difficult than it looks because tactically you're running up against the one guy you don't want. If, if, if you really are tactically you know, challenged, that's the, that's the last guy in the world you want to play against. They've fallen quite a bit now. I mean, it's, it's um, dangerous waters, really. And the next couple of games are not going to cooperate at all. Manchester United runs into Chelsea next. So good luck with that. There's a lot of, a lot of speculation about you know, who is the best, who would be the best uh, replacement. We all know how this works. We've seen it on numerous occasions. Barcelona going through it now with Xavi. They squeak out a win against Espanyol 1-0 on a penalty kick. There's nothing flashy about it. Thank God he gets that. Steven Gerrard had something similar. You know, it's a, it's a battle. This is the EPL, by the way. He's the new manager of Aston Villa, and he gets two late goals to, to squeak out a 2-0 win against Brighton. But it's, the EPL is, 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 a, is a very strange place right now. West Ham have finally faltered. I mean, they, they, that's the first time that they had a string of good results, and they finally, um, they finally take a loss. Chelsea is, by the way, one of three teams that currently don't have a blemish on their last five. Even Man City, with, with their loss to, uh, two games ago, uh, is in that, in that pocket, and so is Liverpool. But one of the teams that's, that's just going on a great run is Crystal Palace. So these things happen. But back to Gunner, I think what I had said before, and I will stay true to that, is this was a super sub, a great guy, a loved, a loved teammate. And I've, I've spoken to numerous guys that had played with him back in the day, and, and they would say, the, oh, the guy was a great teammate. He was a great teammate. He was a great teammate because he f- seldom started. He was always a sub. And, and, and he would come in and, and, and have unbelievable moments with the Champions League final, stuff like that, that made him a club legend. But I argued the point that as good as of a teammate he was is because he never complained. He was happy to be there. He addressed the job as the manager of Manchester United the exact same way. He was blessed and honored to be there. And he probably had to pinch himself every morning like, oh my God, is this really happening? But he was a great, a, a great addition to the, to the club. I, I actually appreciate him a lot more than most. But I would go back to this point. If you are a super sub, if you are, that's the player that you are. Sometimes the player that you were ends up being the, the kind of manager that you become. And we saw this with, with guys like Zidane. I mean, they, the, guy, the guy's just a winner. He's a winner. And, and, he, and he figures it out. He knows how to start a game. He knows how to finish a game. And he knows how to make adjustments within. Gunner just was like, all right, are we down or up at the 70th minute? Am I going in or am I out? I mean, what, what am I doing? I just don't think he was paying attention. 
in in all of those pregame meetings as a player. I just don't think, yeah, there's no, he's probably sitting back there having a tea going, I know, boss. All right, just let me know when it's my turn to go in. Tell me who I'm going in for and what I got to do, and I'll hopefully I'll score. And I'll save the day. Watch, go back and look at the last 10, 12 results. You know, outside, there was a huge blip against uh, Liverpool. It was horrible, but then an immediate response and a 3 nothing win. I got to ask a lot of questions about Leicester right now. I don't know what's going on over there. They're up and down. It's just, it's nuts. But this most recent result, and of course, um, tripping up in the uh, in the Champions League is, is you know, it, it was his time to go. You know, it's, it's I it, when I had the job with uh, uh, with Fox, it was great because. It wasn't always great, but it, it was it was great when when Gus Johnson, believe it or not, showed up. Because Gus Johnson was as a as a as a commentator, as a personality, when he worked for Fox, he would do football, right? And they they called it the the Gus factor. He would make things, but that guy demanded that we spoke to every manager. We we would always it was it was a courtesy, you know. When I was there, I mean, Warren Barton and I would say, well, I mean, hopefully we get to talk to Sir Alex or. You know, maybe Pep will bless us with his presence or whatever. But Gus Johnson basically demanded that we needed time. That's how he would say, I need time with this coach. And, he, and we would get to sit with coaches. And one of the things that, that, that resonated with me was, was what Carlo Ancelotti once said. As we were trying to ask him about another manager who will re- remain nameless. And we said, well, what do you think? And he says, oh, he's good until. And I said, what do you mean? Until. Until. He didn't finish the sentence. But it, it, and even though if you've ever spoken to Carlo Ancelotti, and he'll, he'll speak in riddles, he won't give you an answer to anything. Anything. I mean, they're all so different. Carlo Ancelotti will just basically make you answer all the... Every, you ask him a question, he, he, he answers your question with a question. He doesn't want to talk to you. Pep will start moving stuff around the table. I mean, here we go. I mean, it's, it's, there's the energy in that guy. is amazing. I remember when one time he was at Bayern... They were concerned about him because he had gone, I think, 48 hours without eating or sleeping because he just got too into the job. They had to, you know, he just passed out in front of the team and they had to, you know, basically get him, get him an IV. But when you look at, at, at this situation and you look at the, the, how managers are chosen and, and, and who, are the, who are the right fit, he I, I, goes through cycles sometimes. And, and you, you, look at, you look at Gunner's performances, look at the way that they played on the road. Look at the results that they got. Look at the records they broke. And, he, and, and then you run into a stretch where four of the five results don't work out for you, and goodbye. And that's just the world we live in. That's how, the, that, that's how this job works. But, I mean, sitting down with a guy like, like Klopp, I mean, I mean, a lot of people would really would cut off their finger to do that because they, he's such a, a you know electric personality. But, but he'll get philosophical on you. He'll start talking about, well, if there's a tree over there and... You sit under the right side of the tree. What happens to you if you sit the left side of the tree? Where's the sun? And you're like, well, what are you talking about? But it's, it's, it's you know, he'll, he'll, he could talk a dog out of a bush and back in again. I don't, I don't know what he's talking about sometimes. But he's just so different in the personalities of these guys. Who would have thought that uh, Moisey would have been such a great fit for West Ham? But he is. He's recreating what he did at Everton. Was he the right fit for Manchester United? Absolutely not. It, 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 was, a, it was a car crash. I know, it's just, it's just I'm, I'm talking about managing this week because I, I'm, my, my real topic is, is I just went through some stuff at the youth level that is just, is just shocking. 
I'll get to that in, in a flash. Catch you up on uh, Bundesliga. Bayern is still holding tight. They did have a, they finally had a slip up. And so they, they drop points. Dortmund gets back on track. Leipzig and our friend Jesse Marsh coming out of the break, the international break with a loss to Hoffenheim. That, that was a punch in the face. But a couple surprises. If you're not paying attention to the Bundesliga, go watch Freiburg right now. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. And Union Berlin came out of nowhere. Wolfsburg's still hanging tight. Leverkusen's a pretty good team. They just beat uh, Bochum this week, and I was paying attention to that because I played for Bochum. I was disappointed to see that. Leverkusen just always has Bochum's number. doesn't matter. They'll always get them. It's making things interesting. I think this year, with Tottenham falling off the pace and Manchester United having somewhat of a shocker, and, they, and they'll get it back on track. I believe they will. It's going to take a while, and they're going to get through this weekend because they've what you thought Watford was fun. Wait till you get Chelsea. I did predict this. I'm going to stay true to that. I did say that Chelsea, it might be the best team in the world right now. Tuchel is really, really fascinating as a manager because if you look at where he's getting his goals. He's getting, you know, Conte scoring. It's like, and, and Rudiger scoring. He thought, okay, well, Lukaku and Werner are out. Now you're going to have all kinds of problems. Absolutely not. Uh, and he gets a, a late goal out of Christian Pulisic, which was great to see. And for all, the, all of you that were, were screaming at the rain uh, two weeks ago, how dare you, Tuchel? And then, and then, you know, to say that we have to be responsible with, uh, with this player. And we were. We were very responsible. Going into that Mexico game, I think Greg Berhalter handled it perfectly. Bring him off the bench, gets a goal, pulls up the shirt, man in the mirror, and now we got something to talk about for the next two years. That must suck for Ochoa. You know, you say something like that, you think you're being clever. He just gets smacked in the face, and then somebody has the audacity or the balls to make a shirt that says, you know, I'm the man in the mirror. I like it, though. I like, I like it that, uh, that Christian did that. But he look, back with Chelsea. It looks like he's back in form, gets a goal. They win 3 nothing on the road again. So it's, it's, it's just Chelsea's a different level. Man City's a bit off pace with 26, so they're, they're three points behind. Liverpool's still f- figuring things out. But it's going to be a different year. It's going to be a different year. I think Chelsea can potentially run away with this. If they smash Manchester United this week, I mean, not only is that going to, you know, make things a hell of a lot worse in Manchester, but it's going to be easier for the city folks, but because they get to smile for a while. But Chelsea could possibly run away with this thing. And I think they might. And I'm, I'm only patting myself on the back because I think I said that about six weeks ago. They had their one blip. I mean, they had the red card, Liverpool, the 1-1 result, lost the game, win there finally, dealing with the injuries and whatnot, but Pretty good stuff. I mean, they, 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 are, they are fun to watch. And Tuchel is one of those guys who comes across at times like the mad scientist with all kinds of silly ideas about how... But look at the way that they are playing. Look at how many goals they've taken. I'm not even looking at the stats right now. I'm guessing three or four. I can't only remember three. It might be four. But to take four goals at this point in the... In the uh, and, and, and on one occasion, they were playing with 10 men. That's something else. That's something else. That's, that's when you develop a style of play. You have a, 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 a way of, of teaching. Your, your, your methodology is very simple. Um, and then look at it. Look, look, look what you become. Tottenham is, is, is uh, trying to catch up as if, if you were paying attention to that. They beat Leeds. So there's uh, uh, two very personable managers going at it as well. All right, to give you the, uh, the MLS update, if you missed it, uh, pretty cool in Philadelphia, the late winter. They was like 120-some-odd minutes, but Philly beats New York, meaning the Red Bulls. Sporting gets a, gets a pretty good win over Vancouver, so they're out. Atlanta's out. They got beat by NYCFC. And Portland, my good buddy up there, 
Giovanni Savarisi figuring out how to beat Minnesota. So Minnesota's out of this thing. And that's, that's pretty much the way it should be. The home team's getting it done. That's, I, I mean, I, I think I saw Grant Wall tweet something about that, about how we kind of root for that, like, like making the, the teams that earn those, those home field advantages, that they actually come through on the promise of being a good team. They proved it all year. And you, you have a one-off where you, where you don't perform, and Atlanta comes to New York and beats you, and everybody says, ah, oh, this system stinks. But all four, getting it done at home. Uh, Nashville and uh, Seattle are the next two. So, uh, Seattle will have RSL and Nashville gets Orlando. And for the record, Jimmy Conrad will be joining, uh, joining the program, not today, but in the very near future. So you want to watch out for that. But he and I were talking about this. He said, who's your dark horse uh, in the M- MLS playoffs? And I never got, I never answered the question on this podcast. We, we had like several questions coming in, and I don't know why I never got to the answer, but I guess my dark horse is going to be Nashville. I like Nashville. I mean, it's just, just kind of just getting it done. Just, just silently being a very good team. They have a very good manager in Gary Smith. He's a guy that knows how to win. He's won before. This is, he creeped up on everybody last time he did this with Colorado. Everybody just kind of said, ah, well, maybe there, maybe, maybe. He has a way of playing, and it's a different formula. It certainly is not the uh, Bruce Arena version, but it's a formula, and it's working. And they get results. They grind out results, but they also surprise you with some, some late tactical stuff, which, which, which means I like Gary. I, I've always liked Gary Smith. He was actually in Atlanta, Atlanta Silverbacks, after I left that post, and we got to spend some time together. He's got that, that really strong English accent. It's not as strong as our, our, our buddy Steven Gerrard, but it's, it's, it's close. It's, it's definitely got a twang to it. But his messaging is always good, and I've, I've, I've always been a fan. So uh, th- there you go. If I'm going to pick a team, Dark Horse, Nashville would be my choice. In other news, uh, we all saw Bob Bradley has left his post at uh, LAFC. Uh, pretty horrific ending there. A lot of speculation about where the uh, next destination will be. I am friends with Bob, so I, I haven't had a chance to speak with him. I didn't even call Tab Ramos when he, when he was fired. I'm going to wait. A little bit longer. It's just one of those too soon things. As a manager, you, um, you always understand that and people say you're hired to get fired simply because you know, people can just change their minds so quickly about what they, what they believe is uh, the way they want their club to be run. Or you know, people just get tired of people. I was, I'm actually fairly surprised that, that Pep is still there at Man City. But for some reason, it doesn't seem he never gets to that stage where he has in previous stints, whether it be, you know, if you think about it, I mean, let's, let's just look at it. I mean, he has Man City, how much money they've got. Bayern, which was more of the same. You're going to have the best players in your league. I watched that happen, too. I, I was watching Pep, and I, I remember thinking that, that this might be going the wrong direction for him because Bayern always, always, had at least four or five staples in the German national team in their, in their squad. And he got it to the point where there wasn't one German on the field outside of Neuer. And that was, that was strange. That was strange. That was strange. But what I'm, my, my point is, is that there's, there's always that time where a manager, it's, it's almost like he's overstayed his welcome. And he hasn't done that in City yet. You could see the frustration with the Germans. They could see that they were like, oh, come on. That's great. We get it. You're crazy. You got all kinds of cool ideas. You came from Barcelona. But we, we want it to be, this is our club, not yours. So when he went that route and, he's, and, and, he, and he basically had 
no Germans on the field, that there was going to be repercussions for that. I don't think he realized that. I don't think uh, also, I don't think playing um, Neymar, Suarez, and Messi man-to-man was a good idea either. You need two guys to mark all three of those guys. But he's, he made some mistakes in some big games. I, you know, I was there when they lost, uh, they lost to Real Madrid 4 nothing. A late goal from Ronaldo under the wall was at the press conference. And I remember seeing him and feeling that anxiety. And, and it was really odd because if you were in that room, and just, I, mean, I think I've explained this in the past, but if you were in that room and you watched Pep Guardiola try to explain why he just lost to Real Madrid 4 nothing at home in the Champions League, and he was very patient with the questions, but he was, he was you know, you've seen him in interviews. He's always rubbing his face or something. He has a couple of tells. He's, a, he's probably a horrible poker player because the, the, when he scratches his beard, all right, that's when he's thinking. When he ever, if he ever rubs his face in any way or his eyes or even touches his nose in any, any way, that's something he is not, is not happy about talking about. It's just, it's just he, he just doesn't want, to, doesn't want to be there. But in that interview or in that uh, post-game press conference, you can see him get increasingly nervous and, and actually sweating and asking for a towel at one point. But when he got up, right, he, was, he had a handler from Bayern who asked, told him, okay, you're done. Let's go out this door. And, and, and he was exit stage right, not left, which was odd. But they started to take him out of the room, and the guy opened the door for him, and Pep stalled. He told the guy, wait. And I was watching the whole thing. I was in the back corner. Uh, Andrew Luck was there. That's why I remember it as well. Andrew Luck is a huge Byron fan, and he was standing right next to me. And he, we'd both gotten up, and I think we were walking back towards the, the corner of the room. And as this handler was trying to tell Pep it was time to, to leave, it's almost like he felt it, and he said, no, no, wait, wait, wait. And he did. He waited about maybe eight to ten seconds. And on the other side of the room, Carlo Ancelotti, the manager of Real Madrid, who had just beaten him, was walking along the, the, and the and then another door opened and you could see Rummenegger in, in the in the in the Karlheinz Rummenegger in the back of the room, and he walked in there and the door shut and I looked back at Pep and he made this face and he as if to say well that was that I've just been replaced and that's actually the way it went down. I remember reading the paper the next day and the uh, build cycle that said uh, he'll find the key the Schlüssel. That was Rumenegger's uh, comment. And that was just their way of confusing the public that they were already looking for a new coach. But he, he had overstayed his welcome for sure. But he has not done that at all at Man City. And I don't think anybody's sick of Jurgen Klopp yet at Liverpool. They're just getting used to uh, Vieira over there at Crystal Palace. So, and we'll see what happens at, at Newcastle. It's, it's just a turnstile. And... It gets to me, for, for me, it just, it's, uh, it's always interesting to watch. I didn't uh, catch you up on what's going on in Spain. Real Madrid is looking very Real Madrid. They got the old guard with Kroos and Modric, but they're, they're, they're still getting it done. They got a one-point lead over Real Sociedad. Sevilla's not bad this year. Atletico is hanging tight. They're not looking too good in the, in the uh, Champions League. Uh, but Betis is... is uh, is having a, somewhat of a good year, sitting on 24 points, or six, six points, if you will, 
off the pace. Rio's in there, but then Barcelona's like seventh or eighth now. Man, they were they could have been a really bad spot if they don't beat Espanol, but it's uh it's that time of year. It it you know, the Champions League is starting to to ramp up. We're trying to figure out who's going to win that thing. I was just in the in the uh, win sports book and I was looking at at the odds of who well what you can get as as far as the Champions League and who's going to win that thing this year and I was really surprised. I mean 8 to 1 for Bayern? 8 to 1? Really? Man, that and Chelsea was uh was 7 to 1. Yeah, Real Madrid was was like twenty five to one. So I mean, it, it was it was interesting. It was interesting because that's not usually what we're we're we usually think. All right, well, Barca's going to be in it. Real Madrid's going to be in it. Uh, Bayern will be in it. Uh, there'll be two or three teams from England uh, that that will certainly compete. PSG will always make the top five, but the odds on those. I mean, if you're if you're into that, go check it out, man. There's got to be a winner in there somewhere. You can hedge your bets on that one. Put a hundred bucks on like four different teams, you're still going to win. <laughs> Just the way that's going to play out. But okay, so let me get back to my weekend because I'm pissed off. I, th- this is this is like really something that gets under my skin because the sport is growing. It's, it's growing more so than, than ever, and parents are asked to, to spend a lot of money to be a part, to take part in these these tournaments that that take place all over the country whether that be at ECNL or MLS Next or USYSA or Nationals or whatever. There's a lot of expectations from parents. But the behavior, I, 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 I've had to scout a few of these games. So I went and stood behind some of these families and listened, listened to the things that they said as the game was going on and listening to some of the, 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 the commands that they would bark out to their kids. Man, as much as I thought Amer- as America has grown up, we have digressed. This is terrible. There are just people out there that, that I don't know why they're, they, they bother. It's just so ignorant and, and such, a, such a lack of... And all they want to do is just yell about the ref. I coached, I coached one, you know, the, the old, my 04 team. And we had a, a local rivalry here. Um, we played against a team called Players. Uh, so downtown played against and, and I was already, I already lobbied way in advance. I said, look, this is stupid. We're both going all the way out to Phoenix to play against each other. We could play this game anytime. The argument was that we would have a competitive advantage over the rest of the teams. So if we were to play three games, everybody was to play four, then we would be far more rested and that wouldn't be fair. Where is this anywhere near fair? You're asking... 16-year-old and 17-year-old, 18-year-old boys to play four games, four games in, in less than 36 hours. It's insanity. So that all these frustrations and, and all the, it, it, it all manifests itself on the sidelines with these dumbass parents who just are, are like, are, are just so stressed out because they've dumped so much money into this thing. And they're, they're, their expectation is, is that there's somewhere in this crowd or on the side of the hill, there's going to be a scout that sees my son and everything's going to be okay. And if I were a scout, let me just, as a message to anybody listening to this program as a parent, if I were a scout and I liked a player, right? I said, yeah, number six, that kid can play. I like that kid. And I was still there at the end of the game. And I noticed that the parent of that child who had just spent 100 minutes screaming at, at everything, 
walked up and gave that kid a hug and said, great job, son. And I'm a college coach? <laughs> Scratching you off the list. I don't want to deal with that parent. I don't want anything to do with you at all. Your kid's good. Great. You're paying a lot of money, so that, that gives you the right to, to, to text message your coach or scream at a ref. or Man, these parents. I've seen it. I mean, in, in a couple of clubs that I was a part of with my kids uh, in California, they had to write a code of decorum. Like, basically, this is the code of conduct that you have to adhere to if you're going to be a part of this club. I had to go over in the, in the, in the 05 game that I coached this weekend. I had to, they had to stop the game so that I, as a coach, could walk all the way over to the other side to play referee because the guy in the middle was afraid of it to tell these parents to stop fighting with each other or they were going to stop the game. And, and you can hear what they're saying, and you're like, wow. Part of you, it's, just, it's, like, it's, it's like when there's somebody being really annoying at a restaurant, right? Like, it, like, if, like they're at the, the table next to you, and they've got a problem with the water or the ice or they didn't like their food, and they're, and they're arguing with the, this poor person that's trying to, you know, serve them. It's embarrassing, you almost just kind of like want to put your head down. Oh, my God. Can you believe this guy? That's like 80 to 90% of these parents on the sidelines. They're embarrassing. And they embarrass themselves. And they don't even, for whatever reason, they just haven't figured out how embarrassing they are and the effect that they have on their kids and their ability to try to concentrate and play and enjoy this. Anyway, I, I had to go over there. And it was great. Uh, I, I was asked to go over there, so I had to go over there and say, all right, what's going on? And I talked to our, the, the linesman who, um, she, uh, basically, I, I, she's the AR, right? So I, she's got, she's the linesman, if you will. And she refuses to turn around. So my first course of action was, let me talk to her. And I said, how's it going? And she goes, this is horrible. And I said, what's going on? And she said, it's just, really obscene language, and uh, I think there's a fight, but I, I refuse to turn around because if I turn around and I see these people's faces, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. And I said, all right. She goes, you need to talk to them. I said, okay, great. So I told them to shut it down. I talked to her for like 30 seconds, and I, I had to address the crowd like I'm some sort of, like, uh, security. All right, that's enough. Everybody, knock it off. Let's stop arguing with each other and this, other. And then this guy, this, this guy has the audacity to say, oh, way to go, coach. You, you, you got your, your, your delay. You got your, your, you wasted enough time. Way to go, coach. And I was like, what? You think that's why I'm over here? And he said, you know, we're all adults here. We're all adults. We know what's going on. And I, and I couldn't resist. I just said, then fucking act like it. These people. They're ruining it, ruining it for these kids. Anyway, um, I guess the good news is with my, my downtown team is we haven't lost yet, and we've, we're, um, whether you believe in all that ranking crap, it's, it's almost as bad as the NC2A in football. You don't really know what a ranking means, but we are um, undefeated, uh, you know, current champions, and, and uh, really enjoying that. And I want to, I'm not talking about my parents in, in this this scenario with downtown, these, these are really classy people. It makes the job more enjoyable. That they actually trust, trust you as, as you know, someone who's trying to help their, their kid get better at this game. 
and try and find the pathway that's, that's going to be right for them, whether they end up in college, they go pro or whatever, wherever this takes us. But at least, at least do it the right way. Man, I, I was, you know, and I, I don't know what's going on with Utah, but Utah parents, what's going on, guys? What, what, what is, what are you, what is in the water over there? I mean, I, I, I unfortunately had to, to, to watch several of those games and listen to that. Get your act together. That's rough. That is a rough, rough listen. All right. Hey, um, the Champions League will be firing back up this week. Uh, everybody's going to, I hope everybody enjoys Thanksgiving. We have a lot to be thankful in the world. There's still some, some horrible stuff going on in Milwaukee, which we all hated to see uh, over the weekend. But I personally, uh, as, as much as I've been through, uh, I am going to celebrate Thanksgiving because I get to be with my family. And um, I didn't ask to be the patriarch of my family, uh, but I've, uh, I now am. I'm the oldest one of the group. So I hope, uh, I, I hope that this Thanksgiving means something to you. It means the world to me. Uh, we're going to have a couple of empty spots at our table this year, and that's going to be a hard thing to... Uh, uh, to swallow, but count your blessings out there. Try to be good human beings. Try to, I say this after every podcast, just try to take care of each other out there. Be good human beings. Respect each other. Accept each other. That's a good start. You, if you have respect and, and acceptance, you're off to a good start. You might, uh, you might have a chance out there. You go the other route, things, uh, things might not be as... Uh, joyful as you want them to be. But enjoy Thanksgiving. Uh, I hope um, hope you don't eat too much. I'm going to try and stay away from it, but this this, this, this should be a pretty good Thanksgiving. We will be back after the break, of course, to discuss all things football, especially the Champions League. I'm going to be curious to see how those results go because Thanksgiving means nothing to those people over there. It just means a lot to us. Enjoy it. Love it. Be well. And we will uh, hear you when we get back. Be good.